My light bulb moment this week actually came uh, after a conversation with Alan, who is going to be uh, uh, brought to the mic in a moment here. But when Alan and I were prepping uh, for our session today, uh, we got into the subject, very important subject to Alan, is um, the balance of creativity and business. And uh, Alan's a very creative guy with all sorts of accolades, which we'll celebrate in a few minutes. But um, uh, certainly, Alan also understands that it takes more than creativity for successful enterprise. And it really kind of takes me back to the very, very beginning of Cunity and why Cunity was created at the very beginning and actually the name. And I truly believe that there is money in the middle. Uh, The money is in the middle, uh, meaning that organizations that have strong creativity and strong business practices, uh, companies that have a culture that's driven by the head and the heart, uh, a company that puts an emphasis on people and profitability are really the ones that are going to succeed. And I think history has shown that to be the case. Um, you know, what we've really talked about at Cunity is the magic of the middle. And it really is the founding idea and how one word changes everything. Um, that's to go from the word or to and. Um And, you know, we early on in the early days of CUNY, we really leaned into the left and right brain thinking. And um, it's certainly there's certainly bodies of work that was a huge influence to me. Um, And I've always been passionate about this subject of using your whole brain, whether you believe in a lot of or subscribe to a lot of the thing about left brain and right brain thinking and all of that. The bottom line is that regardless of that, there is this easy way to look at life and 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 ors and this certainly is a big one and so whether you take this literally or figuratively left brain results which is more clients higher tickets higher profitability it's the systems it's the structure but then the right brain is the visual it's as simple it's the learn by doing it's creativity and really it takes creativity on both sides of the business and use of both sides of the brain, I think, is what um, uh, Alan and I very much agree to. Um, left brain thinking, logical, numerical, analytical, right brain, visual, emotional, and creative. And if you really go to the actual name of Cunity at the very beginning, this is why I was so excited when Alan brought this topic up yesterday, is that it, it really is the genesis of Cunity. There's a couple of symbols here. It was a pencil and it was a camera, camera lens. Um, which the pencil really suggesting more the business side of things, the rigor, the systems, the numbers, and then the camera really being illustrative of creativity, right brain thinking, pushing the edge and all of that. And so it literally was the combining of these two symbols that formed the letter Q that makes up our name. So business and creativity. And then this is a really good segue into bringing Alan to the mic because Uh, I was very fortunate early in my career to have access to a mentor uh, by the name of Gene Mraz, who, when I became a salon owner of a large salon organization, his first piece of advice to me is to pay very close attention to the pendulum. Because what will happen is if it swings too far into business systems and management and profitability, 
you're going to lose your edge because you've really lost the creativity and the other things that come with a successful business. And if you, the pendulum goes too far into right brain thinking, creativity and all of that, you also are at risk. So it's this really delicate balance that's dynamic. It's not static. It's not like you are forever in one side or the other or in the middle. It's a dynamic process that um, I think we all have to have a lens on. So with that, Alan, let's have you uh, come to the mic and let's uh, um, let's see where you're at today. How are Hi. you? Good. How are you? You probably didn't realize that our conversation yesterday led me on this whole train of thought, and uh, I was thrilled with it. So thank you for that. Awesome. You know, it's funny because, well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's, I've always wanted to speak, have a platform where I get to hang out and talk to you and share, you know, business ideas and thoughts, uh, as well as talk about the creativity, which I love that you put everything together that way. Uh, and it's funny because as you were talking, I'm looking over at my nine grid. <laughs> top of it is as a tool where the whole brain, for whole brain thinkers. So I think that's kind of funny. Well, listen, I got to, I got to give uh, our audience a big shout out. And would you please tilt, tip your head just um, a certain direction so I could look over your right shoulder? What are all those? What are all those awards back there? Can you um, can you tell me what all those things are back there? Don't be too humble now. What do you got back there? Yeah, you got some hardware. My this is my messy office, but I was talking to Tom and I was like, "You want me to blur out and not show anything because this is where my office is." Um. Yeah, so uh, on the top is all my just very organized hair stuff. And then uh, yeah, in the back, that's some awards that I've got uh, from Canadian Hair Awards to Naha Awards and um, One Shot Awards and I don't know, different stuff. Well, let's let's take that to the present. You just won a major award this year. Um, would you describe what it is? Sure, it's uh, the North American Hair Awards, so NAHA. It's the Master Status of the Year. It's an invitation-only award. In order to be invited, you're being humble here, in order to be invited, you had to win other NAHA awards. So that's so you, you essentially won the, I would call it the number one award. To me, that's number one award because basically it's only to one person that's already been a multiple-year NAHA winner you got to be just thrilled with that, man. Master Hairstyles of the Year, all of your peers. And how many years did you win Naha before you were eligible for this category? Uh, I've won the title of North American Hairdresser of the Year two times. And then we won a Salon Team of the Year one year. And then now this win with them. Um, so I, let's establish pretty early in the conversation with all of us that we're dealing with a very, very successful, creative person here that is at the peak of the industry in terms of accolades. So let's just do a little level set here. We're not talking about an everyday, not there's everyday, but you're a very accomplished guy from the creative side. But Thank you. You, run, you run a business. Well, and... Let me let, let me ask you a direct question. You know, do you ever get pigeonholed as being the creative guy? And if so, how does that make you feel? That's a yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because yeah, it, it's one of the things that I don't. My partner in business, as well as in in life, it helps me run our businesses. And one of the things is that 
a lot of people think, oh, well, he's the business person and you're the creative person. And it's, um, I think it's really funny at times because at times when people say that to you, they're kind of like, okay, so you're the dumb one and he's the smart one. Not really. But at the same time, it's like, no, actually it takes somebody really creative to run a business. And, you know, you can't just have one thing. You can't be that one person that does that. Even to be creative, it takes, you can't just be creative. You have to have thought and there's process behind it and systems behind it. So for any photo shoot I'm doing, there's the thought process behind it from editing to selecting models to working with campaigns and also figuring out who the, who who's your target market? Who are you reaching? There's so many other aspects. It's like, I'd love to just be able to say, I just do pretty hair, you know, and that's it. But there's so much more that goes into it. And I think that's the same thing with the business. I think that you, when you're working in the salon, there's so much more than just having great business and systems, you know? And though I think in business, when you talk about the pendulum, I think we talk, for me anyways, I think it's always been about the more creative our business is, you know, I think people look at it and go, well, wow, those are super creative, but what kind of business do they run? You know, they probably have a really, you know, not so great business. And so then you go, okay, well, we're super business orientated. Well, they're probably not very creative. It means they're probably just, you know, systems only and no creativity there. And so for me, we always have to feel like swinging from that pendulum back and forth. And I think for me in my career growing up, I was like, for every class I took creatively, I took a business class. For every business class, I took a, a creative class. So it was really figuring out how to be able to be on both sides of that. You know, there's, we're t- I could have this conversation all day and night. And um, uh, the, you know, you, you just threw out a bunch of stuff there. And I'm, I want to lean into something. I, I really believe that true creativity is a whole brain process. Um, and I look at a guy like you, and there's a lot of detail that goes behind this. It's not all just, you know, visual and storyboards. I mean, you know, and I'm thinking of David Reculia, who did a big photo shoot at, at the Phil with us. That guy behind the scenes has been locked into a lab doing editing. And, you know, it, it's there's creativity, but it's it's the it's the hard work and the rigor. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think the hard work and rigor, it, it's what it is. I mean, you know, for every photo shoot that I produce or every collection, you know, there's a whole process in which you have to um, do a storyboard, but not just that. um also practice, you know, you have an idea, it doesn't mean it's going to work. And the day of the shoot, or, you know, it's not the day to practice. And the day of when you're working for a major manufacturer is not the time to practice. All that happens beforehand. So when you get to where you're going, you're ready to go. And that's the, that's the, that's the smart part of business. You know, sometimes you just can't create on the drop of a dime, you know, and some people maybe they can, but it's not like, but part of that is if they can, it's because they, they, backed it up with knowledge before they get to that point. And all of a sudden they get to use that. And this is where it's at. And it's practice. So, all right. So um, for you personally, how do you balance the creative and business duties of running the business? I think part of that is having somebody, having a great team, uh, a leadership team who does take on the business part of it. I don't have to be a part of every bit of that, but at the same time, I need to understand every bit of it. And I think that when it comes to the same thing with the creative aspect, I think my leadership also, um, my leadership team also leans into where they need to help out. We have systems in place in the salon in which we sort of, you know, with our young hairdressers, we work with them and we have a whole technology thing where we do in-house when we work with their training their training program and they basically have to do homework when they're not in class 
on mannequins or models and they film it and they post it onto uh, a place we use, we use workplace, which is owned by Facebook and it's sort of an internal uh, web, uh, some internal, an inter, in, what is that called? Intranet. Um, anyways. And so they post things there. All of our leadership teams on that former interns are on that. And they basically can post and comment on their work. So it's using it a way to basically be creative, but at the same time, um, you know, so in the, in the days of likes and shares and all that, it's great to be able to see their work posted and see them doing and growing in the business. Did that answer that question? I hope that I go around. Yeah, no, I, it's, of, it's, of course. It's a lot. So that it's really trying to figure out how to make that. Then also creating uh, opportunities for your team to be involved in photo shoots and creating a team shoot every year and, and getting them involved in something. Um, but main thing is, is really figuring out how to culturally make it important in your culture that we support the creativity. And at the same time, we're not just all about numbers, even though we are, you know, we have to still have you know, checks and balances, but you also can't just get so heavy on your retail numbers and what's your top goal and what's your money driver. You know, it's also, well, what is the other part of it? What's the part why you got in this business in the first place? Why, you know, cause for me, it was about the love and the passion for the industry and everything else came with it, you know, and I think that uh, the d- deeper I dive into the love and passion of it, everything else comes. Well, and, you know, I've got a little bit of the inside story here, so I can attest in front of our audience that you guys have a very successful business and um, you've stood the test of time. And it was at two to 10. I don't know. It was many years ago. We were featuring a statistic revenue per foot. And your organization, I think, was like tops um, out of a multi-location group. So whatever you're doing is working. Having said that, I know that you're like a lot of other salon owners right now. And the human capital part of the business is, is not easy, you know, recruiting. And it, so even with a like a creative force like you, that would have to be something attractive to a potential stylist. You know, you and I spoke a little bit about you're going through a lot of the same struggles everybody else is in finding talent. And are you leveraging the creative strengths of your business in your recruitment and it's not working as much as it used to? Or, I, I mean, that is 100%. I mean, I wish all those awards and trophies, I could walk into beauty school and it would work, but they don't work. <laughs> you know, it's a different uh, market in time. And I think that it's time to have different strategies and really think about, you know, the employee that we want to manifest. And and I think it goes bigger than just, um, you know, the creative side. It's really, really figuring out, you know, we, we keep talking in our business as le- in leadership about, you know, are we paying the right amount of money for an entry level or what sort of training program is it too long too short you know and there's so many things that uh i think that we want to throw at the recruiting aspect of what we do and at the same time i think it's really about understanding more about our business and what we have to offer and who we're looking for before we can go in there and be really smart about who we're trying to attract and i think that's really the case i think that we have been approaching it the same way. We've been, you know, I mean, it's really funny. There's a, a beauty school here. And just to, just, to, just to talk about the lengths of stuff that we go through is, you know, we've gone through so many different recruiting things. And one of them, some the, one of the people at the beauty school suggested that every new uh, group that comes in, that they bring into the school, uh, that we come in and we offer them breakfast and have sort of be the first people that they ever get to meet in the industry you know, and talk to them about what we're doing and what we're up to, show them our Instagram, this and that. Anyways, I'm not really sure how to measure. I'm not sure it worked, but we, we literally 
bought breakfast a lot of times for groups of uh, <laughs> future um, hairdressers, which I think probably are, you know, I think there's a statistic that over half of them don't even make it through the whole training program. And then there's mm-hmm. even half of that that don't actually come into our industry. They may graduate, but still, you know, fizzle out. Yeah, there is there. Yeah, that's a, it's a troubling. It's it's troubling to know that, but it is true that many start school and don't finish school or they finish school and um, um, they choose not to go into a salon or they have a short career because they don't give it a chance, you know? And I, I, I think that there's a lot of people in the industry that are proactively really trying to address that, you know, but it's not an easy solution. We just did it. We just, as a complete aside, um, you know, we just, we just did a, a study. I haven't even really talked about this yet. So I'm kind of revealing something. Uh, we did a study of instructors working at schools. It was requested by some of our partners and we haven't released the findings, but I will tell you this, it was over 150 campuses and we asked each school um, about instructors. They're having a hard time finding and keeping instructors. And uh, we'll share some of the findings in a future week. But one one troubling thing was a lot of people are leaving um, the industry. They'll become an instructor, then they just leave the industry. You know, some are going to rental salons, some are going to employee salons, some are doing, but a lot of them are leaving the industry. It's a shocking percent. So anyway, I think that it's not an easy, it's not an easy problem. And um, I don't want to get off track in terms of other things I want to talk to you about today. It's a great conversation. So um, I wanted to, I'm, I'm, I want to share with you something and we didn't even discuss this and it just, I'm just inspired to share something that, uh, uh happened here in Minneapolis. So I was uh, getting a haircut with Neil Berkeley, who works at reflect great guy, industry veteran. You probably have met Neil through the years. Um, he's a little bit more behind the scenes, but he, um, he, he, um, usually when I got a big event coming up in this particular case, a wedding, how do I look, Alan? Um, I go to Neil. And he's probably in his somewhere in his 50s. And what he said to me is, you know, a lot of people at my stage in my career start slowing down. He said, that's not for me. I'm sprinting to the finish line. These are my highest earnings I've ever had. Why would I slow down right now? And so this guy's just building up. He's building up his money fund. And so... You know that I think that's a good segue into um, different ways that people look at their career. How do you look at your career? You know, as you own and operate a two location salon, are you? Do you think of manifesting other things that are different and bigger, or yeah, give us a glimpse into your future and manifesting a little bit? Yeah, well, you know, we spoke about that the other day. I think that one of the things that as business owners and leaders, you know, we really work hard to create what, what, where we're at right now. And we, I mean, I'll speak for myself you know, in working and creating the idea that one day I wanted to have my own salon and be a successful hairdresser and do, you know, all these things. And in my head, I already pictured all those things doing it and, and, and being it and what the salon looked like. And, you know, once upon a time, I used to think, you know, I want a line of hairdressers out the door to come work for me, you know, and, 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 and all that sort of manifestation, I feel like we, I did it. And now all I'm doing is managing my manifestation, <laughs> And so I think what's important to do is to really, you know, we talk about light bulb moments. Tom was asking about that. I said, one of my light bulb moments is really right now thinking about what I want to manifest now. 
you know, I think for some people it is, you know, uh, an exit strategy. And for some people it is, you know, sprinting to the finish line, you know, and I think it's really about taking that time out because we were working so hard in what we manifested to manage what we're manifested. And now we're, maybe you're there. Now, what is it now? Is it a, maybe we open a beauty school or maybe we, you know, I don't know what it is, you know, move to Montana and live in a log cabin, whatever that is for you. And I think that's really, because I think, in our business, we're not, ser- we're not we're not doing a service to our employees or our guests if we're not open and able to manifest what's next. And I think that no matter how many systems are in place or how many tools you have in your toolbox to work a system and to keep that salon managed and open, if you're not manifesting what's next, it's going to get really old and boring for you and your employees. I love that conversation and manifesting what's next, you know. I've, I've worked with a bunch of clients when I had a specialty in transition planning about what's next, you know, and many find themselves pretty late in their career and they never really thought about what's next. And their only what's next is, you know, to retire, you know, we have so many careers within our career. And I love the idea that you're forward thinking here and saying that, you know, being conscious of that you do have some choices there it could it could be more of the status quo or it could be it could be very very different um so talk about that a little bit more like manifesting what's next and what that might look like for you and the business yeah well i think it's funny because you know i <laughs> i joke around a lot about this is that you know i don't have a hobby my, i mean my business is my hobby what i do i love doing and that's my hobby i don't i don't fish i don't go I'm not a beach person. I mean, I like to have time off, but this is my hobby and I love it. So to, to say one day I'm going to retire, I don't know how that, what that looks like. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I work behind the chair two days a week and I will always work behind the chair because I love, love interacting with my guests. I love interacting with my team and being in that space where I understand what's going on. Uh, So I don't really know what that looks like. I think, but the other thing is, 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 you know, maybe it's another location and we manifest that and we talk about what that looks like, or maybe it's a partnership with the team or, you know, finding somebody who wants to be a part of the salon and, you know, helping them run the business and step, step a little bit loose out of it. I don't, I don't know that we need to um, have an answer. I think there's a lot of answers. I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I'd like to do. And so I, I don't never seen, that is a slowing me down other than it, uh, it gives me the space and freedom to do it. Well, I love this part of the conversation too, because, um, you know, loving what you do is, 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 is obviously so important. And, you know, uh, I, I'm at a point in my life and career, Alan, where I've got a lot of people are retiring around me, you know, and um, uh, they, 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 they tend to be people that were part of, companies where they felt like they're paid their dues and now they want time off because of all the miserable years that they had to get to this point where they could do it you know um me i think i'm a little bit like you why not just enjoy what the hell you do and just do it forever and just change the the rules of engagement what you do more of what you do less of but i think retirement just sounds just i i don't know how many people are viewing this but it just sounds crappy to me me too. I want to retire from certain things. Let me give you an example. I retired from the two to 10 project 
And your partner, uh, your business and life partner, Heath Smith, who we should have given a lot more credit earlier in this conversation because we both think the world of him and we work very close with him. You obviously 10x, but um, yeah. So what's your reaction to that? I I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I think that uh, retiring sounds really boring to me. 100%. 100%. And I think that uh, I, one of my, I have this uh, woman who works for me. She's worked for me for over 23 years and uh, she's amazing and she's ready to retire. And I'm like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I don't know, do pickleball or something like that. <laughs> that sounds so boring. I said, I honestly think you should at least work one day a week in this long, get out of the house, come have some fun with us. You know, anyways, I don't know. It's just my belief, but I think there is a mentality of people that do believe that retirement looks like not working at all as opposed to getting to do this, the fun stuff you like doing. And what's cool about our industry, that lends itself to so many possibilities. Yes. From the moment I got into this industry, uh, if, I mean, if when I was a young hairdresser, somebody said all the things that I was going to get to do and travel the world and do this and winning awards or whatever, I never would have believed them, you know? And uh, it wasn't until like actually getting into it and actually getting to do it and just, just d- diving deep into what you love doing that it, all that stuff comes up. So I think that's, I don't know, I think that's important. And to keep yeah. finding some love. And if it's not the hair industry, get out, you know, God, you know, like find find that extra strategy and get out. Um, but if it is, uh, there's so many options in which you can, you know, still play in it and not have to be, you know, tied down to a chair. Let's come back to some of the Ruiz and your role at Ruiz and, and you know, the the side of the business, you know, so of the five functions of the business, which one of the following are you most active? Let me kind of list them off, okay? Uh, education, marketing, operations, human capital, or finance. Education and marketing are my... Yeah. And then, of course, Heath would, I'm sure, lean more heavily into the operations and the finance. I'm sure a- both of you get involved in human capital, right? With your team and... It's all, it's all, I mean, it's, 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 here's the deal with our five functions is our leadership team. It's everybody's responsibility for all five functions. However, we do have our own domains in which we, we are driving each one of those functions and mine, mine are education and marketing, more marketing on um, more marketing on my end. And I have uh, my HR person who works for us, Cindy, who handles all, she manages the education. So I talk, we, we meet together and we work on classes and we work on uh, recruitings and we work on um, advanced training, um, basic training. Um, so we do a lot of that stuff together. And then she just puts it in like a more of a management form that she organizes better than I could. Cindy's great. You have an amazing team. You, Heath, Cindy. I mean, it's, you know, Tina, I mean, you really have a great team. It's a small nucleus work together. And it's just, it's just, I think there's a lot to admire about it. Um, so I want to come back to this whole idea of creativity and business. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to show you a couple things here. This is uh, a book called The Power of Two. And it was how relationships drive creativity. And essentially, the whole idea behind this book is that creativity doesn't happen in a silo. Creativity happens in collaboration. 
And, but not just collaboration, this guy just gives an abundance of research of why the collaboration is in twos and the power of two. You know, um, I mean, it gives all these examples of, yes, it's collaboration, but people have this myth of these think tanks and dozens of people sitting around, but story after story is the, you know, creative rock stars always had some dyad in your business. You've got Heath, you know, you know, clearly, clearly a great example. Um, what about in the creative side? That's, that's, sort of your, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of all the different collaborations. And uh, and without reading this book, I mean, one of the most important things is I've always collaborated with a good friend of mine, colorist, Luis Gonzalez. And uh, we started something a while back, uh, working together and collaborating together. And then I have another, uh, one of the girls who's been my assistant for over 15 years now, we've actually started collaborating now. Um, and it's funny because one of my mentors, Antoinette Beenders, she actually just did a collab and it was a while. It took her a while. She kept asking, what do you think? What do you think? I might do it. And she did a collaboration with Expressions um, in Spain, which is this huge international education team. And it was bonkers. It was so good and so great, uh, really well received. And I think it's really it's one of the things about um exciting your, your what you're doing again and fueling yourself up with energy is finding somebody to collaborate with somebody who you can play with and i think creatively that's really uh an interesting spark and if you look at the music industry which you mentioned a bit is that's exactly what they started doing they all of them started you know solo artists to collaborating and then collaborating with multiple different people i mean i think i mean Nicki Minaj has been on everybody's album you know what i mean so it's like everybody wants eventually that person to collaborate with them you know yeah, I can't imagine the projects that you work on, the scale you work on, um, you know, without having some really strong go-to dyads, you know, Louise is one, it sounds like the person that, uh, um, who you mentioned on your team, and then Antoinette, so I think that's a great lesson for all of us, because, you know, just like creativity, um, um, you know, collaboration fuels it, usually in pairs, pairs together make big progress. The idea is you have multiple pairs, you know. Um, I think a lot of that can and should be applied to business. And I think that that's part of what we're trying to do is to see see businesses collaborate with more, whether it's a two to ten, whether it's the fill, you know. I think even when, when doing any kind of shoot or any show that we're doing, it's, you, you always want somebody to run it by. It's like that second opinion. It's that person you respect. You're like, what do you think? Uh, and then there's also the other part where you're like, I just want you to tell me at, after I'm done what I think. So like the people I hold in high esteem, I want them to see how I've grown and see that there's growth there and then say, okay, now maybe you should have thought about this or this, but before, you know, uh, I do something, I will collaborate with friends to say, you know, what do you think? Does does this have legs? What would you ask questions about, you know? And I think that's really important, especially in this as well. You know, I think uh, having that, uh, community that, that has that opportunity to do that. And I think one of the things I, I've, I've enjoyed going to is, uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to say it right, but something it's when you get in the barrel. Yeah. Yeah. In the barrel, it's kind of being vulnerable. Yep. And I love the, have you thought about, have you thought about, and you can't ha- answer. And it's a really cool thing to be able to think is like, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? And I always like to live in that area as, you know, I don't really want to, I just want to know, give me ideas of what I need to be thinking about. You know, don't fix it for me. Let me think. 
have I thought about this? Never thought about that. What would it look like? You know, I have a story to share with you that ultimately is going to result in a question here. And I haven't really shared this story hardly with anybody, but something very influential for me in my career, Alan, is I had just come out of being a co-owner and running a large multi-location salon company you're aware of called Jude. And um, I had a hiatus and I was going to take a little bit of time off and, you know, really be slow and very intentional about what was next for me. And I always had this sort of thing about being pigeonholed as being the finance guy, the accountant, whatever. And it kind of pissed me off, just like you get pissed off when people, you know, uh, oversimplify Alan, you know. And uh, I had something that I've really never discussed before, but I had a Naha team that taught me an amazing amount. You remember Maureen Anloff, may she rest in peace? She she invited me to sort of coach her creative team for their Naha application. And it was a photographer, it was Maureen hairstylist, it was a makeup artist, wardrobe, and I'd never experienced really being part of a creative team. And there was something that happened that blew me away. Something I realized is they were pros and they really knew how to plan a collection. And what really struck me is they communicated 100% in pictures. There was no text document, you know. If, if, if they were trying to get clear, they picked another image. It just blew me away. I said, wait a minute, you have planned an entire, which by the way, was an award-winning application. They won that year and I was so proud of them. But everything they did was in a picture. There was no Word document. There was no plan. You know, it really taught me about visual communication and how, how creative people, and I learned later through photo editing. Anyway, so the question for me is, is that true for you when you're planning a collection? Is it just keeping images? And I see, you know, you got a storyboard behind you there. Yeah, that's actually, I'm just wrapping that up. But this is also how they pick collections. Um, so we do a shoot, then I try to figure out which are the best images and how they're going to work together. Um, yeah, I think the most important thing is, is as a creative, in, in doing particularly photo work, um, is you've got to be able to communicate to the photographer, the makeup artist, the wardrobe stylist, your vision. And, you know, yeah, they need to see it. And a lot of them are visual people. And I think one of the things is, you know, since Instagram and um, Pinterest, I don't use Pinterest, but since Instagram, you're able to, you know, archive stuff and then you can categorize it, what you what it is that you like about them. So once again, it's like, yes, you're creative, but you also have to be really smart about your creativity and organized so that you are able to do what you need to do and explain what you need to explain. So I think that's a really big one. The other thing is they just, they gave me some early encouragement as an artist. And, you know, that was amazing because I really wanted to explore more right brain thinking. I wasn't even conscious of this, Alan. I just knew that in order for me to do the work that I needed, I needed to become more of a visual artist. And so they gave me some early encouragement for a photographic collection that I started. They said, keep doing this, keep doing this. And ultimately that led to me really developing an eye for design for composition, which I think is instrumental in creating really a design-driven product. I mean, a lot, a lot of our products are design-driven. You know, they're using grids and colorful. They're going back to uh, tactile learning, you know, the lost art of learning by using your hand, which is how a lot of us learn. So anyway, I just was reflecting when we were getting ready today of how important the creative process and artists like you are to all of us, me personally and everybody. And I think you're amazing. And I want to thank you for being my guest today. 
Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah. Let's give this guy a virtual round of applause. <laughs> and uh, Alan, you should have uh, forthcoming. Uh, you're welcome to our brain trust. Uh, so you'll get your million dollar light bulb that should be coming for you soon. <laughs> and, um, and my only request is make a little bit of room on that hardware shelf to put that little light bulb up there. It's not quite at the same level of prestige, but uh, we're thrilled to have you. Thanks for your great work. And, and um, we'll talk to you very soon. All right. Thank you, guys. I want to thank Lightheart Sanders. I also want to thank the uh, benefits offered by um, Cunity, which is um, really essentially just bringing a mental health, uh, virtual mental health care available to the community. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can search for Cunity. We'd love to hear from you. Go ahead, submit a light bulb moment on the website. Um, and don't forget about Aaron's Money O2 broadcast. Again, thanks for joining us, and thanks to Alan Ruiz for being such a great guest. Take care, and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you.